This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen, where once again we have electricity. <laughs> Power was out here until about 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Um, so, yeah, no podcast yesterday. For some reason, podcasting requires electricity. I have yet to to to, to hook up a steam-powered podcast studio or anything. Um and uh, we we did determine that apparently the 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 blackout was caused by too many EVs being plugged in. No, actually, it was the, the, a tree fell on a power line and took out took out a pole, and uh, it took the, they had to redo the pole and all of that stuff according to what I saw on the on Facebook last night. So that was the deal. So no podcast yesterday because we had no power, <laughs> and I, I've had to reset cameras and lights and stuff because all my settings got lost because everything lost power, which, uh, uh, that's just the way that goes. I've got some new lights that I need to get put up. Um, it will be a little bit brighter in here when I'm done. I mean, I could brighten up the camera view quite a bit, and I have actually have quite a bit of light in here, but... Uh, I'm still working on some stuff. <laughs> All right. It's good to have you with us. This is Squirrel Chatter for Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. Squirrel Chatter is a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. Mm. Luckily, yesterday, before the power went out, I had brewed coffee. <laughs> so I had a thermos of hot coffee to, to get me through the morning. And then uh, I actually... Uh, Took the opportunity, and, and this is the, the last week of Rocky Mountain Bible Mission camps at Camp Upmost. Uh, this is the fourth and fifth grade girls week, and uh, I just took it upon myself yesterday to drive up to camp, have lunch, hang out with everybody for a little while, and uh, then come home after lunch while they were all busy dealing with the fourth and fifth grade girls. A lot of the counselors um, this week are were campers during high school, so it was good to see them because they all they all know me, and, and that was fun. Um, the little fourth and fifth grade girls have no clue who I am, but all the high school girls, um, I've got some some good relationships with a lot of them, uh, so that was that was kind of fun. All right. That was what I did yesterday, and the power was on when I got home. So that was, I left Mrs. Squirrel here all alone, sitting in a recliner with a book and a Bible. She had a good day, too. So, 
we, we both kind of got to relax and step away from computers and step away from the world outside and just kind of relax and enjoy the day uh, without electricity. But uh, something that I, I am well aware of, and, and uh, most of us are as well, the house that I grew up in, in Frenchtown, was actually capable of functioning without electricity. We had, now the, the stove was electric, but in the basement we had a, a wood stove that heated the house. And there were times that, I mean, I remember during power outages, Dad with a cast iron skillet on that wood stove in the basement cooking breakfast. So, I mean, we had the ability to cook and, of course, you know, grill and everything outside if we needed to. But, you know, the stove and the oven were electric. But, um, but the house had the ability to function. Um, obviously, the pump wouldn't run, um, but we could keep the house warm. We had, we didn't, we didn't drink our well water, very high iron in the well water, um, where I grew up, the house I grew up in, um, to the point where we had massive water softeners and iron filters in the basement just to make the water usable for washing and whatnot. Before we installed all those iron filters and stuff, the, you know, clothes would turn orange because of the iron in the water. Uh, there were huge iron stains in all the tubs and showers in the house and sinks because the water would, uh, would, uh, um, the, the hard water, the, the iron would stain everything. And, uh, so we had a, you know, like you think of an office water cooler. We had one of those Culligan water coolers and the big bottles of water. So we had, you know, if the power went out, we had water, we had heat, we could cook. We could, the house would function without electricity. Not so much today. Um, the the house that we live in, our only hope, our, our only heat is a forced air gas furnace. And without electricity to run the blowers, it doesn't do anything. Uh, we're on a well, so without electricity to run the pump, we got no water. Um, and of course, it's the middle of summer, no air conditioning. And lights everything in the house without electricity. And uh, that's something I've been aware of. Now, I've got we've got oil lamps and stuff for when the power's out that we can have some light and... Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things you think about. Is like you know what happens if the grid goes down? And there's been a lot of discussion about the inadequacies of the American power grid, um, especially in light of the push for you know electric vehicles and stuff, which do more damage to the to the environment than a gas-powered car. Um, but that's neither here nor there. And so, you know, I'm thinking, what happens if we lose electricity? You know, it might be a good idea to sink another well and put a hand pump on it. So I have some water. Um, might be, you know, a good idea to 
figure out how or if we could put a wood stove in this place. Um, I've always figured that's not a good thing to do in a trailer house. <laughs> um, there's some horror stories from, from my childhood, but perhaps, you know, erecting a, you know, smaller cabin next to our house in the, you know, we've got some acreage here. We're out in the woods. I could put up a small cabin with a wood stove and, uh, you know, insulated wood stove, bed, chair, you know, we could use it as a guest house, but we could use it if we lost power here, it would give us a place to, to move into that would give us, you know, that we could use. So I'm thinking about a lot of stuff like that. And we probably all ought to. All right, what do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And it's Theology Thursday. We are looking at Chapter 17 of the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith of the Perseverance of the Saints. There's three paragraphs. We'll see how far we get today. Um, yesterday's look at Deuteronomy Chapter 14 has been pushed off until next Tuesday just to keep us on schedule. Um, it's kind of nice for me because now I don't have to do notes for Tuesday. I just have to change the dates. <laughs> Um, but, uh, that's, that's the plan for, for yesterday's episode. It will essentially next Tuesday, excuse me, next Tuesday will be that episode. Missed being here with you. Really did. Uh, it was, a. it was just, I mean, it was seven o'clock. It was right. You know, I was, I was sitting in my computer. I had everything fired up. I was getting everything ready for the the podcast yesterday, and now the the computer is on a battery backup, so I didn't, you know, but the lights all went out, and I was like, oh, okay, and so it was so close to showtime that I just pulled the plug on the show, so to speak. <laughs> uh, I, I just said, you know, I was... Even if it comes back on, I won't be able to get the the things that I have to do right before the show done. So I, I just decided not to have a show yesterday. But we're back. We missed you. Hope you missed us. It's good to be back. All right, let's begin as is our practice with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. Our devotional today is entitled, Hatred Blocks Real Worship. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, dot, 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 Matthew 5:23. Dr. MacArthur writes, Outward acts of worship are unacceptable to God as long as we harbor internal sin. They are particularly offensive if we retain a hateful attitude toward a brother and yet attempt to come before God. Worship is important for most religious people today. They can spend much time in places of worship, offering prayers, giving tithes, and doing all sorts of religious activities. But, as with the scribes and Pharisees, none of it is meaningful if carried out with the wrong attitude. Presenting an offering at the altar was a familiar scene for Jesus' listeners. On the Day of Atonement, for example, worshipers would bring animal sacrifices and give them to the priests as sin offerings. But that process must halt if the worshiper were to remember some hatred between himself and a brother. Unresolved conflict has priority over external ceremony and must be settled. Sin between us and other brethren must be resolved before we can bridge the gap of sin between us and God. And the Lord told Israel, What are your multiple sacrifices to me? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. Wash yourself. Make yourself clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. That's Isaiah one eleven and Isaiah sixteen and seven Isaiah one sixteen seventeen a. Not to be at peace with someone else and yet to attempt to worship God, is a hindrance to genuine fellowship. Ask yourself. This is a call for worship to matter, and for relationship with God to be taken seriously. More than a Sunday morning verse, it's a principle demanding conciliatory action in the days prior to the Lord's Day. Is there such a matter occurring in your life situation right now? Something to think about this morning? All right. It is Theology Thursday. I'm going to have to pour some more coffee. I'm using my Waffle House coffee mug. And sadly, it's smaller than many of my other coffee mugs. The squeak of the thermos. Oh, yeah. Good sound, you know coffee's coming, nice and hot. Get off to the side so I don't end up with any spilled coffee on my pants. And now I have a full cup of coffee. Hey, no commercial breaks. I got to do this while you're watching. All right. We are looking at chapter 17 of the 1689 Chapter 17 is entitled, Of the Perseverance of the Saints, and there are three paragraphs. Um, last week I just read through it and made some preliminary remarks. We are going to start breaking down paragraph by paragraph. Um, I am probably only going to do paragraph one today. Um, I've actually got a lot of stuff I need to get done today because yesterday was a wash without electricity, so I'm looking at a busy day. And so I'm probably going to do paragraph one today, say paragraph two and three for next week, um, so that I can 
cut the show a little bit short and get on with my day. So paragraph one says, Those whom God has accepted in the Beloved, effectually called and sanctified by His Spirit, and given the precious faith of His elect unto, can neither totally nor finally fall from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end, and be eternally saved, seeing the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, from which source he still begets and nourishes in them faith, repentance, love, joy, hope, and all the graces of the Spirit unto immortality. And though many storms and floods arise and beat against them, yet they shall never be able to take them off at, off that foundation and rock, by which faith they are fastened upon. Notwithstanding, though unbelief through unbelief and the temptations of Satan, the sensible sight of the light and love of God may for a time be clouded and obscured from them. Yet he is still the same, and they shall be sure to be kept by the power of God unto salvation, where they shall enjoy their purchased possession, they being engraved upon the palm of his hands, and their names having been written in the book of life from all eternity. The reality behind the perseverance of the saints is the fact that salvation is entirely of God. He saves whom he wishes to save. And those whom he wishes to save will be saved. Jesus said in John 6, of those that the Father gives me, I will lose none. And it's the will of God that I lose none. Um, and that's an important thing to remember. So the perseverance of the saints is that those whom God has elected, those whom God has brought to faith, will remain in the faith until this life is over. Now, with that being said, this does not mean that those who are saved are going to be without sin or perfect, that they will not have seasons where they drift away from God, distracted by the cares of this world, distracted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. It happens to all of us. And, you know, to a greater or lesser degree from time to time. But those who are gods, he will preserve. And, and so that, that's the, the key that we need to remember. Now, this is not an easy believism. I've, I've talked to people, you probably have too, who had a young son or daughter who made a commitment of some sort at VBS or at a summer camp or something. And, and so they, they made the, the, made their uh, commitment, this or that, and then drifted away. And now they're, you know, 28, 29, they are living the life of the world, you know, and with all the varieties of sin and worldliness that the world embraces. And 
the parents hold on to the fact that, you know, when little Judy was 12 or little Johnny was, was nine, they said a prayer or they had an experience at camp. And so, you know, because of that momentary glimpse of faith, they've been saved. That is an easy believism. And that's not what the Bible teaches. A true encounter with Jesus Christ, a true regenerate experience where the Holy Spirit makes the dead sinner alive in Christ, that changes lives. And that changed life is evidence of true faith. And so that's the, you know, you can't look at somebody whose life hasn't changed and think that they had an actual encounter with God. Now, sometimes, and this was my case, I was saved young. I was saved at the age of eight. And my life was changed. And I look at, you know, from eight to about 15, I was very much striving to follow Christ and live the life of the Christian, and I was very interested in in all the things of, of God and reading my Bible and stuff like that. But then from the age of 15 to the age of 25, I drifted away. Now, I know, you know, what instances, what in, incidences there were in my life that precipitated that. Um... There were things at school, there were things with friends, there was, you know, I faced the hostility of a world at war with Christ, I had, you know, been rejected and ridiculed, there was, there were some things that happened, and I did not respond as I should have. Instead, I responded by trying to court the affections of the world, and so for 10 years, I drifted away, but I came back because God drew me back because I was truly saved. Um, and so that's a, you know, the, the perseverance of the saints. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it under the day of salvation. So, you know, that was a, he he brought me back. Now there was there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of a lot of guilt from that time in my life. But um I, I, I ended up having the pleasure, I've mentioned this before, I had the, the pleasure of teaching my parents Sunday school class. And I think it was only then that mom relaxed and thought, hey, he turned out okay. <laughs> So, because I had I had them worried for a while, um, and that's one of the things that uh, the the director at Camp Upmost was my youth pastor. Um, he's like five years older than me, um, you know. So he was he was the old man of twenty one, twenty two, and I was you know sixteen, seventeen years old, um, and so he witnessed a lot of that, and he and I have talked about it a bit. And he's like, yeah, you, your dad used to 
ask me to pray for you and all this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, ask what can be done because he was the youth pastor at our church. Um, incidentally, a position that he openly admits he was not qualified for at the time, um, just by the virtue of his own age. Um, yeah, the, the, the youth minister should not himself be a youth. And, and I'll just leave that there. So the perseverance of the saints is not the easy believism that many attribute to it. It is the fact that God will hold fast those who are his. It's not dependent on us. It's a work of God. It's worth the Holy Spirit in the in the life of the believer. So it's the the it's actually the opposite of the easy believism. You know, he said a prayer at VBS when he was six, so he must be saved, even though he's thirty two, homosexual, living with his boyfriend, doing drugs, and you know he works at an abortion clinic. So you know, there's 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 evidence of of salvation that must be there. I am I am seeing a artifact on my screen from my camera that there is a reflection somewhere on my lens and I can't figure out where it's coming from. It moves and I'm not where, I mean, you know, my lenses and my watch are reflective, but it's very strange, very strange. I'm going to have to figure that out. I haven't changed anything, but again, the, the lights were out yesterday, and I had to reset my lights, but I can't see anything that's reflecting onto the lens. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Distracted. Squirrel. Okay, so let's look at the first clause in paragraph one. Those whom God has accepted in the beloved, effectually called and sanctified by his Spirit, and given the precious faith of his elect unto can neither totally nor finally fall from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere thereon, therein to the end, and be eternally saved, seeing the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, from which source he still begets and nourishes in them faith, repentance, love, joy, hope, and all the graces of the Spirit unto immortality. It's a work of God in the life of the believer, and therefore, God's works never fail. We're given the the uh, supporting text here of John ten twenty eight and twenty nine, and I give them eternal life, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish ever, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So, people come to Christ because they're given by the Father. And no one's able to take them from Christ's hand. And no one is able to take them from the Father's hand. And I always laugh because I've, I've talked to some people who think that a true Christian can lose their salvation. They say, yeah, no one can snatch you out of God's hand, but you can jump. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't snatch yourself out of his hand. Um, those whom he gives eternal life will never perish. That's what it says in John ten twenty eight. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish ever, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Um, if you have eternal life, 
you have eternal life. And it is, by definition, eternal. We're also given Philippians 1.6. I referenced this just a minute ago. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to depart from wickedness. The Lord knows who are, who are his. There's no doubt in God's mind who he has saved. And, and as I have, I have mentioned more than once, Jesus Christ is a perfect Savior. On the cross, he perfectly and completely saved every single person he intended to save, past, present, and future. God will not be pining throughout eternity for those whom he tried to save but failed to do so because God doesn't fail. And that's something to, to keep in mind. He will accomplish his good pleasure. He knows who are his, and he will change the lives of those who are his. He calls us and he keeps us. And that's, that's key. 1 John 2.19 They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if, if they were of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be manifested that they all are not of us. Those who depart from the faith permanently in such a way show that they were not part of the faith. Yeah. Now some, like I said, drift away and come back. But during the time then they're drifted away, you're not to assume they're believers. You know, they become, you know, read the, the, the church discipline passages. Those who drift away from the faith into sin and fail to respond to church discipline become objects of evangelism. You begin to share the gospel with them and tell them to repent as if they were not Christians because chances are they aren't. Okay, the second clause, again, talks about that. He says, And though many storms and floods arise and beat against them, yet they shall never be able to take them off of that foundation and rock by which, which by faith they are fastened upon. So the, the storms and trials and travails of this world will not wash us off the rock of Jesus Christ. Now, they may get us really wet, and they may cause us to, to lay down on the rock and cling with our fingertips, but they won't rip us away. And in those times when we're really, really wet with the storms of this world, we can look a lot like the world. But we can never be ripped away from Christ. Not, notwithstanding, though, Notwithstanding, through unbelief and the temptation of Satan, the sensible sight of the love and light of God may for a time be clouded and obscured from them. So, in those times, 
when we're washed and battered by the storms of life. We can lose sight of the rock to which we cling, the rock to which we are fastened, not by our own hand, but by the hand of God. We are fastened to that rock. You know, he will hold me fast. I love that hymn. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. Though my Savior loves me so, he will hold me fast. You know, so it's, it is he who holds us. It's not we ourselves. So keep that in mind. We may be clouded and obscured, but we will not fall away. Psalm 89, 31 and 32. If they profane my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgressions with rod and their iniquity with striking. God does bring chastisement upon those who are his when they disobey. It's part of his correctiveness. It's part of what brings us back. Um, and it's part of why those of us who did drift away for a while do have regrets and suffer penalties for the things that happened while we were not walking with God because it, it is teaching us. But God uses that. I can tell you the things that I experienced and the things that I did in my time away from God, God has used greatly in my life and ministry as I encourage others, don't do this. I'm speaking from experience. I'm telling you it's going to hurt. I'm telling you it's going to cause damage. I'm telling you it's not worth it. <coughs> Excuse me. That one snuck up on me. I apologize for that. <laughs> oh, pardon me for just a moment. Of course there's bad churches. Um, then go find a good one. And if you have to drive to get to it, then it's worth the drive, I would say. You know? So get in your car and go. I mean, how bad do you want it? I mean, how important is the truth to you? And I am back. I apologize for that. Okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11.32 But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. God brings his chastisement upon those who are his to correct them and to bring them back onto the path so that they do not fall away. They do not fall into the judgment and condemnation that the world will suffer. So that is, that is very, very important to remember. Yet he is still the same. God doesn't change. And they shall be sure to be kept by the power of God unto salvation, where they shall enjoy their purchased possession, they being engraved upon the palm of his hands, and their names having been written in the book of life from all eternity. Remember, God chose whom he is going to save from before the foundations of the earth. And that calling an election is sure. He's not going to fail to save anyone that he chose to save from before the foundations of time. So keep that in mind as well. All right. 
Malachi 3.6. For I, Yahweh, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Promise to Israel that Israel would not be destroyed completely because God had chosen Israel. A promise that still stands, by the way. And uh, we can look at that at some other time. Uh, so, yeah, the the because it's the power of God that saves us, it's the power of God that keeps us saved. Um, you know, those who are truly his will, even if they drift away for a while, come back and be his. They never stop being his. And that is, that is a great comfort. Great comfort. Because we can never become... You can never become unworthy of something you were never worthy of in the first place. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, he, I, he saved me. I was a wretched sinner who didn't deserve salvation. But, boy, I screwed up after he saved me, so he can't, I can't, you know. No, that, it doesn't work that way. You know, you, 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 you're never worthy of the salvation. The, the, the righteousness with which you are clothed when you stand before the throne of God is not your own. <laughs> Um, because your righteousness, my righteousness, is vile and worthless compared to the righteousness of God. So, all right. That is just bugging me. I, I'm sorry. I've still got that artifact on my screen that there is some sort of reflection going on. It's moving, which tells me it's a reflection, but I cannot derive the source. I, I turn, I, I can't even, it doesn't do what I want it to do, so it's not something I'm controlling. I'm thinking, I wonder if it's like a hair real close to the camera or something. I will clean my camera lens. I may have a, a human hair that's catching the light drifting in front of my camera. That would be interesting. All right. Let us recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the collect for the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we are to pray, and to give more than we either deserve or desire. Pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Now the colic for guidance. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life we may not forget you, 
but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns, or, and, and so bring them home and number them among your children that they may be yours forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Again, showing in that prayer, we see that salvation is from the Lord. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for today. I wish you the very best of Thursdays. We got uh, Federalist Friday coming up tomorrow. Hope to see you then. Have a great day. We're heading into the weekend. The, the, the clock on the work week is ticking down. So I hope you have the best of Thursdays. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.